Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter via my substack called The Kaka, in which I report and comment on issues around housing, affordability, climate change and poverty reduction uh, from the, a political economy point of view in Aotearoa. Uh, today I wanted to challenge the Prime Minister Chris Hipkins and Megan Woods about the government's performance on climate change and emissions reduction. And yesterday they came to Auckland and Lynn and I went out to the Chelsea Sugar Factory in Birkenhead uh, where the Prime Minister and Megan Woods were having a photo opportunity and a stand-up news conference to uh, mark the um, investment of $400,000 in a piece of kit which Chelsea had spent $4 million on uh, to reduce its emissions by about 10%. So just a reminder, um, Chelsea is a sugar refinery owned by Australian company CSR and it uh, has ships full of raw sugar uh, imported from Australia and from Latin America. And it comes in the form of a very raw, sandy sort of raw sugar, which gets uh, dug out of the ship and and then refined into white sugar by um, essentially liquefying it and then boiling it off, which requires uh, quite a bit of heat, which since 1950 has been done with boilers, firstly powered by coal and now powered by natural gas. And uh, this $400,000 grant, which came from the government, comes from a thing called the Giddy Fund, uh, which was set up in the government's climate uh, response uh, um, document from a couple of years ago. There's $650 million in this Giddy Fund, so-called designed to uh, reduce emissions, particularly in industrial facilities. So these are grants by the government for co-funding of things like electric boilers and other equipment which wouldn't necessarily have been built now uh, without a bit of an extra push along from the government. Now the government will pay up to 50% of the cost of the new equipment and it believes that this is a relatively cheap way to get um, emissions reduction. $650 million, and we're four rounds into it, and uh, this was one of the, to be fair, one of the smaller ones. Also, the government was announcing a new national policy statement to uh, reduce uh, the time spent uh, consenting renewable electricity. And uh, also, we've had a couple of bits of news in recent days, including that David Parker, the Environment Minister, chose not to intervene in a way that would have forced the Auckland Council to consider climate change when it was reconsenting New Zealand steel. The Glenbrook steel plant is one of the biggest emitters that we have and is responsible for more than 10% of Auckland's emissions. And uh, it was reapplying for a 25-year consent. Now, back in 2000, the government changed the law to force councils to think about climate change when they were doing uh, their consents or reconsents for uh, environmental use of land. And uh, um, unfortunately, uh, there was a delay in getting this through. And uh, as it turned out, 
New Zealand Steel were able to apply for a 25-year extension to their consent and the government allowed it to happen without that rule about considering climate. So the Auckland Council had to reconsent the NZ Steel plant without considering the climate. Now, officials had advised David Parker that he should so-called call in the decision so that the Environmental Protection Agency would look at it instead of the councils, but he chose not to do that. Now, in the process of asking these questions, I also challenged the government on its decisions to ignore the advice of the Climate Commission last year when it uh, chose to make some uh, changes to the emissions trading scheme settings uh, in a way that essentially kept the price of fuel down. The Climate Commission has... um, wagged its finger, so to speak, scolded the government over not uh, accepting those recommendations and said that this will make it much harder for the government to meet its emissions trading targets. And one of the problems here for the government is that that decision back in December uh, essentially uh, blew up the emissions trading scheme market and has deprived the government of upwards of $2 billion in revenue from the emissions trading scheme. So there's a $2 billion budget hole that's uh, opened up because of those decisions which were designed to reduce the cost of living. And that means that the government has a bit of a budget hole. So uh, it was good to get a chance to ask um, these questions of both Chris Hipkins and Megan Woods, the energy minister who is there. Um, And just for fun, I threw in at the end the idea of reducing demand for the um, emissions used to create white sugar by uh, introducing a sugar tax. Uh, Thank you very much to subscribers who responded to my chat message asking for questions before the news conference. Um, A bunch of them I managed to throw in there, which was useful. So what I'm going to do now is play the bits of the news conference where I ask questions of Chris Hipkins and Megan Woods and uh, let you have a listen. Essentially, um, I challenged them on uh, the issue of New Zealand Steel, and Megan Woods said that Labour didn't want to de-industrialise. So Labour is making a decision to keep the big emitters open rather than close them. And uh, uh, Chris Hipkins pushed back at the idea there was a $2 billion hole, and he said that the government would come up with new proposals which would get it back on track to reduce emissions without saying what they were and telling us to just wait for the budget. And uh, we also talked a bit about renewable energy and uh, the problem we have where the big gen tailors, three of which are controlled by the government, are not using the consents they already have to build wind and uh, other types of renewable generation. So here we are. I've managed to clean up the sound a bit. There was quite a bit of wind noise at the time. But here's, here's the interview. On reduction, yes. should the government have intervened to stop New Zealand Steel getting uh, consents for another 25 years of emissions? Because the, the minister involved could have intervened. He was advised to by his minister. I'm going to hand you over to the Minister for Energy on that one. Thank you. In terms of um, how it is that we decarbonise, we have to make sure that we're not deindustrializing as well. That we have to be looking at ways in which we can work uh, with our industrial users, we need to look at ways in which they can decarbonise. So in terms of the decision um, that Minister Parker made, in terms of the, the consent and the renewal of the consent, 
Um, that's obviously um, a conversation that you'll have with Minister Parker, but I know as the Minister of Energy and Resources, what I am absolutely committed to is making sure that we're working in partnership with industry to make sure that we can continue to have an industrial sector in New Zealand, but that is consistent with our decarbonisation pathways. And you announced earlier today that um, there will be a national policy statement to direct uh, councils to speed up consenting for renewable electricity. There's already two gigawatts of consented power projects there, which the Gen Taylors, three of which you control, have for a decade not invested because they're trying to generate higher profits and dividends for shareholders like yourself. Why don't you just get the Gen Taylors to use the consents they've got? Because we're going to need far more than is already consented, Bernard, um, that we are actually going to have to make also make pathways for independent generators. And I think that's going to be an incredibly important part of the future landscape, um, that whether it be with solar, um, sol- solar array, whether it be onshore wind or indeed offshore wind, where we're looking at developing the regulatory regime. We need to make sure that we've got consistency nationally. And that's one of the things that the, the national direction will give. Um, of course, that we are looking also through our remain performance to making sure that we are cutting the red tape. And this alongside it will make sure that occurs. Um, one of the things that we're not doing, um, unlike the National Party opposition, is going out and saying that we should um, say people can sit on their consents for 35 years. Um, we're very much of a lose it or use it mentality. We don't want to see people essentially land banking to shut out competitors because we must see new generation coming in. Because Genesis has just decided to cut down the size of a wind farm They've been planning for 10 years to a third of what was originally consented because it says that it wants to make more profit from the existing... I think one of the most interesting things we're seeing in our energy sector at the moment um, is uh, is a shift. And the only game in town is no longer our gentailers in terms of investing in generation. We are seeing um, significant investments coming in from independent generators as well who are using mechanism flight power purchase agreements um, to on-sell um, what they are generating. So I think we are seeing fundamental shifts in front of us. Um, that I'm interested in what we can do to ensure that we are seeing more of that independent generation, but also what we're doing through this national direction is ensuring we've got really smooth pathways for community-based schemes. Just on the, with your energy hat on and the Giddy Fund, which was used uh, here, um, Are you concerned that with the failure of the emissions trading scheme auction a few weeks ago and the advice from the Climate Commission that your revenues could drop billions because of that, that you won't have enough money for the likes of the Giddy Fund to invest in this sort of decarbonisation? We've already committed um, $650 million to the next round, uh, the next phase of Giddy, um, a million actually, a billion actually if you stretch that over period of time. But for us as a government, Giddy represents incredibly um, savvy economics. That what we're seeing, for example, with this project is the cost of um, of reducing carbon and a ton of carbon is $25. If we did nothing, as some are suggesting, we would be forced to go out there and pay another country um, in the form of an international credit, maybe as much as $150 a um, to offset that carbon emission. So as a government, this, uh, this 
And it presents an incredibly compelling business proposition for us as well. So no, I'm not concerned. And on the climate change issue, I'd like to ask the Prime Minister, um, because you announced some changes on climate change uh, policy and the policy bonfire or whatever people call it. Um, uh, aren't you concerned that the government is not taking advice from the Climate Commission on the likes of the Emissions Trading Scheme and uh, Pine Forests, and that you are risking creating a liability Treasury says could be $24 billion by not reducing emissions fast. The government set out our emissions reductions budgets and we are absolutely committed to meeting those. Um, the, the only significant reprioritization decision that we've taken that has an impact on those emissions reduction budgets uh, is around the removal of the biofuels mandate. Um, we've already been able to recoup some of the, um, the, the net you know, um, or the, 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 the emissions that we're not reducing through biofuels, we've already been able to offset some of that with a higher uptake of electric vehicles. So significantly higher than um, we had anticipated. Uh, and there are other ways that we'll be able to offset that as well. So um, we're still committed to those budgets. But are you concerned about the $2 billion budget hole that's there now because of the failure of the emissions trading scheme as advised by the Climate Commission? How are you going to deal with that? Um, look, um, as I've indicated, we're still committed to the emissions reductions budgets that we have. Um, there are a variety of different ways that we can, you know, achieve those goals. Uh, what you will have seen today um, is further evidence of areas where the government can do more. We know that the um, government investment in decarbonising industry, for example, can have a, a really ta tangible impact um, on a co-investment basis. So it's not just the, the, you know, it's not just the government chipping in there, but business as well. Um, and so. You know, we, we, we continue to look um, for how we can reduce our emissions as quickly and as efficiently and as cost effectively as possible. So would you like Chelsea to um, electrify its boilers, which are actually producing 90% of the emissions? This only reduces it 10%. Yeah, we actually had a conversation about that when we were walking around. One of the things that um, companies who are looking to switch uh, their, their, their base source of fuel um, look to do before they do that, um, is make sure that they're, they're using their, their, their fuel as, a, as efficiently as possible. So if you're switching, for example, from a, a, a gas boiler to electricity, you want to make sure that the systems are as efficient as possible before you do that. So uh, I think that the, the sorts of investments that we've seen here are good precursors um, to uh, a more sustainable energy future for companies like this. Just on sugar, um, yes. one way to reduce emissions is to reduce the demand for the product. Why not put in a sugar tax? to reduce the amount of demand for sugar. I just want to bet, Bernard, that coming to a Chelsea sugar factory that I would get asked by you about whether we should have a sugar tax or not. So thank you for that. Uh, I think my payoff will be a cake when we go back in there later on. Um, it's not something that we're looking at. So there we have it. Um, Chris Hipkins off to have some cake and um, maybe eat it as well. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was today's Dawn Chorus for Friday the 21st of April and a reminder that we'll have Ask Me Anything at midday today and The Hoon at 5. Please uh, pop into the comments below this podcast uh, for who you'd like to see on The on the Hoon and what topics you'd like to hear. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my daily podcast for The Kaka, our Substack. Uh, for paying subscribers.